Hi, uh, welcome to uh, season 10. We're talking about pricing. We think it's pretty interesting because there's just so many things that affect pricing and pricing can have an impact on. So I'm Mary Epizia with Impact Planning Group and I have with me Tom Spitali and Sean Wellam. And Sean's going to open up today's discussion. Okay, well, we're talking about price and the, the, the price doesn't stand alone. Price is part of a, a sort of single entity called price value. It's the, it's the marketing equivalent of space-time. It's really the one and the same thing. And we need to have a way to express the, the, the relationship between price and value. And the simplest way is in a, a, a two-dimensional chart where the, the x-axis or the, the, the bottom line is a measure of the perceived value that the customer attaches to your product or service. Further you go to the right as you look at the chart, the more value they perceive they're getting. And the y-axis is, is a price measure. And the higher up that you go, the more expensive in relative terms you are compared to maybe the alternatives or your competitors. And the lower down, the, the relatively cheaper you are compared to your competitors or the market generally. And given that two-dimensional space, it's pretty logical that there's a relationship between the value the customer perceives they're getting and the amount they're willing to pay. And we can plot that. And we simplify it by plotting it as, a, as an arrow straight line from one corner to the top. And we know that in reality, it's probably an S shape or there's all sorts of curves going on. But to keep the concept fairly accessible and straightforward, we just have this linear relationship that says the more value you add, all things being equal, the more price you're able to charge. And, and, and as that line goes up in a lovely 45 degree angle, you can assess where your product or service sits in relation to what we call the fair value line. If you're above it, then you're, you're charging a bit more than maybe the value you're offering would suggest. So, so maybe that might explain your lack of market penetration or, or indeed your, your big fat profits. The market's a, a strange place. And if you're below that line, well, you know, maybe you're leaving money on the table. And again, there's many factors that complicate that simple approach. But I wanted to start off with that real simple visual in, in everyone's mind. As you add more value, you can get more price, and that relationship can be expressed in simple terms with a straight line that, that rises as you look across the graph. Um, of course, Tom, that's where the complexity starts, right? <laughs> well, yeah, it's amazing, though. Once people kind of accept that frame that you just described, Sean, and actually plot themselves and their competitors, they get a lot of insight. Um, typically, the reaction is, oh, that, ex you know, that explains a lot. <laughs> it explains why I'm underperforming or... Uh, you know, uh, well, typically that's that's the the. Oh, my margins are so skinny, maybe that's yeah, the yeah. Or or right. I'm just overpriced relative to the value that I'm providing. I think the elephant in the room, if you will, with pricing though, is this idea of this x-axis that you described, Sean. Because the y-axis is easy, right? If we find out, if we know what we charge and what competitors charge, um, well, not always easy, but mostly easy, we can do the the y-axis. The x-axis is is the one where people say, well, how can you really measure value. Um, and um, the fact is, is I guess that we've learned over the years, if you just give it a shot and you accept that it can be done, you really begin to get insights um, about how customers think and the factors that they put into assessing what they think of you, what they think of your value. So, um, it can be done. Mary, why, 
why do you think there's just so much hesitancy that people have to believing that they can they can measure their value and competitors value too yeah i feel like um it's always well i know that i've heard it <laughs> that people feel like it has to be perfect you know i have to know exactly how people are perceiving our value and how they're perceiving our competitors value and I, that that gets you in a lot of trouble because you're never going to know completely, but you can do more sophisticated um, types of research to assess that, um, such as a conjoint analysis where, you know, it's, it's, it's a, a systematic way to measure how people view all the parts of what you're offering and, and what everyone else is offering. Um, and there's still bias even in that. Or you can use something um, what we use is ability to compete, which is a lighter version, um, which you can validate more. And that is unbelievable how much it opens people's eyes to, to go to look at the landscape and see um, in very real terms why somebody is perceived as having more or less value. So I, I you know, it demystifies a lot of things when you just try not to do everything perfectly, but assume that there will be some, some flaws, but that's okay. We're getting directionally there, especially with something like pricing. And also when you, you, you can use this tool as a, as the beginning of a hypothesis, right? Because the other reason, Tom, you mentioned, you know, why people uh, maybe are hesitant and, and, and there, there are the people that say, if I can't get it exactly right to the decimal point, then what's the point? So we, we've seen lots of people and that, that standard that you maybe hold yourself to for engineering or scientific endeavors has to be ratcheted down a little bit when you're in the marketing world it's very very subjective and fluid but you can also say look if you don't have a, a strict measurement you can still look at your maybe your three or four competitors and, and that's what we're talking about we, we rarely use this tool to look at the you know every say automobile in north america that would be beyond the scope of the tool we tend to look in terms of who are our principal competitors maybe that's two or three or, or even four competitors once you've got that you can say look do these do customers perceive them as better than us or worse is your starting point. And then how much, and you can actually do a sort of a bit of a rough rule of thumb and look at it and, and then decide if you want to drill in. So it's not an onerous task to construct this. You can actually do it intuitively, at least at the first pass. And there's one other thing I wanted to say, because this is where language is important. You know, we talk about the X axis as being value, but in common usage value, tends to express the relationship between benefit and cost you know mm -hmm. people they, they describe things as saying like oh yeah it was a good value this car was good value it lasted 10 years or something so and i i don't want to confuse it more but but we've really got to think that that, that x-axis is is either the benefit that the customer perceives they're getting or the utility they're gaining from using the product and how it relates to alternatives. And the first starting point for the, the x-axis is actually to ignore price, is to, is to answer the question, if everything was priced the same, everything cost a dollar, how would the customers perceive the benefit they were getting? So price is taken out of the equation and you add price later because uh, I often find the word value needs explaining otherwise you run the risk that people apply their own definition and get sort of confused about the actual meaning of that x-axis it's a great point sean and maybe we need to change the name <laughs> or something you know to get but the, the reason is i mean it's important enough you you know to to dig into a little bit because i'm going to make the case right now that that number is the most underrated number in business 
here's here's why I say that that number that that ascribes uh, a benefit to what you're delivering and compares it to the the competitors in the marketplace. The reason why I think that's the, the most underrated number in business is that forever more and going all the way back in the past, businesses are successful by having customers, attracting customers, okay? How do you attract customers? You attract customers by providing benefits that they don't believe they can get anywhere else or that they think is the best choice for them. So the most important aspect of business, having a customer, shouldn't you measure how well they perceive what you're offering in the marketplace versus competitors? I can't think of a more important thing to measure in business. And so going back to what Mary was saying before, so what if you can't get it perfect? <laughs> you know, you absolutely how can you operate in business without some approximation of that? But the fact of the matter is, is that most businesses do operate with that as sort of some nebulous concept. Oh, we think we're providing a lot of benefits, but without taking the time to try to get that on paper and, and, and measure that, it feels like you're driving blind. And I think, and I think it also is sometimes we look down the wrong end of the telescope. You know, we, we take a cue from the price. If the price is this, then it must be good value. That sort of heuristic that you use by saying, well, if you had to buy something that you weren't familiar with buying, I'll say, uh, uh, what did I buy recently? Uh, some, some gardening implement, something for edging a lawn or a lawnmower or something like that. You don't buy it all the time. What's your, what's your watchword for, for, the, for the, the, the quality of the product? is often the price, right? You start with pricing, well, if it's that much, it must be better than this one, which is half the price. Because you haven't got the time or effort to go and research something you're gonna buy once every few years. So price and value are so inextricably linked. And often, the, 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 what a lot of, why a lot of people don't measure the, the price independent value or, or benefit they create is because the price and the value are, are almost the same thing. And it's, 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 you compare yourself to your competitors and you just accept what it is. It's just not, there's no imperative to measure that. But I agree, Tom, measuring that is, is the most insight that you'll probably get. And there's one thing to add to that. The temptation when you're a product company or a technical company is to measure the performance of your product. And think of that is in terms of benefit the customer gets. You know, our battery lasts longer. Our, our screen has better definition. But in reality, there's a lot of softer things baked into that benefit as well. You know, if you buy a, a Rolex watch, it can cost you tens of thousands of dollars. If you buy a, a hundred dollar watch, it'll tell the time with the same accuracy. It's not the ability to tell time that drives people to buy a premium watch, for example. And every product has an element of that. So when we're looking at that value, that, that benefit sort, that utility, the x-axis, you really have to ask yourself, what are we satisfying? Because it's more than just the product, simple product benefits. It's, it's a broader aspect, including, you know, trust and confidence and that sort of thing. And you really need to broaden your definition of what constitutes the score on that X-axis. X, X axis. That's, that's not easy. But yeah, you look know. at the softer stuff as well as the hard stuff, I yeah. guess. To do it. Yeah, I think that's right. 
the um, the and and often what's missing when they do that analysis, Sean, as as you're saying, is brand. You know, they'll they'll do the scorecard, the ability to compete, and they'll go, oh, this doesn't make sense because they they have twice the market share that we have, and it's often that they have and they discounted or not included the brand or reputation as one of those soft things. Um, right. I think it's it's interesting too, as you're saying when you are looking at one of these charts and you have the same x-axis value as a competitor, but the price, they're a lot lower than you. So their dot, if you will, is lower. Mm. And you know, what's going on? And sometimes it's not by mistake. You know, all of a sudden it peels back some of the strategy that competitors may have about they have too much um, extra inventory available. So this, they're trying to, to, to get rid of some things or they are trying to enter in a market and intentionally bid low to put other people out of business or really kind of devalue. It's not a great strategy, but when you look at it, you go, whoa, there's something going on here. And a lot of times it tips, tips you to look at what the competitors are doing in that landscape. And you could, you know, you could fall into a trap there as well, because if you look at that chart and you say, well, we, we score the same, but they're cheaper than us we must drop prices, right? We must, but maybe you haven't factored in your own softer benefits. Maybe you don't fully understand how you're perceived in the market and maybe you're looking at it. And the first question is, is you should never react to a, to a PVA, to a perceived value analysis chart, which is the, the name of the, the pricing tool we're talking about. Never react to it. You should ask questions because of it is the first step. You never say, well, put our price up, look at this increased price or look at this drop price you've got to say to yourself why is that does this reflect reality and if so why am i not seeing it in the data everything that the beauty of of uh, as soft as our approach can seem in terms of, of of very subjective the proof always reveals itself because your performance in the market is a direct result of all of these things, the, the benefits you create, the competitors, the price you're charging. And if it doesn't look real, ask yourself why. And it can be positive. Maybe with maybe people think, maybe people have a higher opinion of our product than we have of it ourselves, right? Maybe we're not factoring that in. So ask the questions. It's a thought provoker. It's always instructive, right? It's always instructive to do to do these things. I mean, we're talking about these softer benefits. And, and maybe in the mind of the listener, it's like, well, there you go. That's why I'm not measuring value because there's so much softness in there. How do you measure brand, you know, or in the brand impact? But the fact is you can, you know, you can put things on a one to 10 scale and, you know, you can say, what is the brand perception of, of my brand versus the competitors? And, and, and you won't, as Mary said earlier, you won't get it exactly right. But the fact of the matter is you have a hypothesis, you put it on a chart and you take kind of like, I think Sean, what you just described is the sniff test, right? Does this smell right? Does, it, does this seem like what my value is in the marketplace? Does this seem what my position should be in the price uh, value analysis or, or does not, not feel right? You always have the ability to then, you know, to approximate and adjust. But ultimately, everybody that goes through this discipline comes to a conclusion, you know, and it's usually kind of a little bit of a rueful shaking of the head. Yep, that's the right spot. We're there. We're in the right spot now. And all of a sudden, now you have a lot of explanation for what's going on around you. 
right? And a whole range of strategies that are available to you as Mary was describing earlier. Now versus just being able to say, oh, we should raise or lower our price. Yeah, those are options available to you. But you also have the ability to say, should we tr try to intentionally invest and raise our, our utility score, whatever we're gonna call that thing on the X axis, or, uh -huh. or you have the ability to kind of pull back and ratchet back some of the things that you're offering customers to maybe meet a lower price point. It just opens up this world of, of marketing um, to you in a way that really is not evident unless you take the plunge and try to measure these things um, in a way that, that, that has a lot of input to them and then adjust. Yeah, and even you, you had a couple of ors in there. I'll, I'll put in an and, you know, some companies look at that chart and say, we need a low end to kind of capture that, that bottom area so we don't lose people out of our franchise. And we can actually, they call it sandwiching, we can actually even have one at the higher end that is kind of like the, the Vente, you know, of, of whatever your product is. It's the high end that maybe 10 to 20% of people might choose to go up to. So it gives you, you can get really creative once you get the discussion going, as Sean and Tom have both said. Um, we hope we've planted some seeds for you to think about pricing differently and to try to measure it, even as a starting point. And if you're ever stuck, just send us a note and we'll help you out. Um, and you can find all of our podcasts on the accidentalmarketer.com, or you can uh, find pretty much our podcast anywhere you find podcasts. So thank you. Thanks. Thank you.